0: All right, 5 after. We can go ahead and get started. Welcome, panelists and everyone in the audience. Thank you for being here for this Epic's election panel. Quick intro from me. I'm Connor. You may recognize me as the recap podcast guy. I've moderated previous panels, and I'm going to be moderating today's panel again. The format is the same. Some questions will be addressed individually, and I'm going to call on each of you randomly to make sure everyone has a chance to answer. And others are going to be open to the floor for a debate-style discussion where anyone can chime in. We're going to ask again that everybody please keep their answers to under a minute, since we have nine candidates and a bunch of questions to get through. So if you're going over time, you're going to hear this sound. And that means it's time for closing thoughts and to wrap your answer up. So we can go ahead and get started. As usual, we're going to start with brief introductions just to get to know each of the candidates. Uh, question one, please introduce yourself and give a brief statement on what unique experiences or views you bring to the Spartan Council. Tara Bellis will hear from you first.
1: Hi, everybody. I'm Tara Bellis, a longtime community member, having been into synthetics in early 2020. I'm a sitting Spartan councillor i think over the course of my tenure i've um, submitted over 10 sips or sccps and slightly over half of those have been accepted and um, so i consider myself to be well versed in the protocol it's um, various mechanisms and mechanics uh, for example i'm also currently researching the transition to be 3 and the proposed tokenomics for the smx token but potentially with the rest of the Spartan Council's approval would provide a means of carrying SNX value forward. Um, I came into crypto about 2017, um, became kind of full-time involved in crypto, uh, I think mid last year, um, after having completed a PhD in the social sciences. Thanks for having
2: me. Great,
0: Tara, thanks. Uh... Great to see you back, uh, Ether Not your introduction, please.
3: Hey, yeah, sure. So, so yeah, I'm, I've been a CC for over two years. Um, I'm Argentinian, so I'm 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 sorry, but I'm going to do the cliche of using a soccer analogy. Basically, I'm like the technical goalkeeper right now. Uh, my objective is to protect the goal while the, the talented guys in the team ship B3. That's basically what, I, what I'm trying to do. It's, it would, this would be my third um, epoch, right? Uh, and I've been doing exactly the same thing, uh, trying to wrap up B2X and trying to ship B3 for the past two ep- epochs. And in this one, we just need to go to production. Basically, everything's ready, everything's being audited. And I just want to be around um, to make sure that we succeed in that process. I'm not very versed in uh, finance, to be honest, but I am very versed in uh, smart contracts and, and programming. So, yeah, that will be my contribution
2: this epoch.
0: Thank you, Etherna- Ethernaught. Thank you for sharing your experience with the group. Jordi, uh, your introduction, please. Hi,
4: guys. Good to be with you. Um, so uh, I guess a little bit the opposite. Uh, I am quite versed in finance and not as versed in in synthetics, smart contracts. I run a uh, rather large market-making firm called Selene Capital, which I founded. Um, I'm quite involved in DeFi for the last two years, I advise. Several projects I've been doing angel investing. Um I understand the fundamental concepts um, that Synthetics is trying to build upon extremely well, and uh, looking forward to possibly working with you guys on uh, refining the the new ideas you have for B
0: three. Thank you, Jory, and welcome. Adam, your introduction, please
5: Hello, uh, Adam Cochran, current counsel, uh, thread Maxi. Uh, you love me or you hate me, I'm aware there's not a lot of in between. Um, in terms of my views for synthetics, I can sum up a platform in under a minute with what I call the six Ps profits, preference, partners, placements, and epoch. Profits use a synthetics holder, take on government risk and protocol risk. You need to be rewarded for that and not undercut. If we sacrifice that, we are sacrificing the protocol entirely. In, in preference, synthetics needs to be collateral in V3. It can be conservative, it can be a minority of that collateral has to be there, cannot be removed. Um, On partners, we need to focus all of our resources on developing market frameworks for partner integrations. Partners have driven hundreds of millions of volumes. We can make that hundreds of billions by prioritizing them over first party offerings. Placements, we cannot be bound to optimism anymore. V3 needs to prioritize aggressive deployment across all EVMs by the end of next cycle. And epochs is pronounced epochs, not epics, and I will die on that hill. Thank you. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that might that might be the most contentious thing you said. Uh, thank you, Adam. Danny, your introduction, please.
6: Well, thanks for making me uh, follow Adam there, Connor. Appreciate it. Um, <laughs> well, hey, everyone. <laughs> um, current council member, professionally, I guess I've done it all from various speedy roles to most recently have a lot of experience in product operations uh, on the crypto side. Got into crypto in 2017, but been a synthetic staker since 2020. I'm a user of basically all the synthetics ecosystem partners across Quenta, Lyra. Over time, etc., um, etc. Et call me stupid or call me a believer, but something like a quarter of my net worth today is in uh, is in SNX. So um, you can be sure that that uh, a goal of mine is to keep the value prop of SNX high. Um, And then I I spend a good amount of my time writing threads and just educating crypto Twitter on on kind of what's going on in the ecosystem and uh, what people can look
2: forward to in the future.
0: Thank you, Danny. Millie, your introduction, please.
7: Yeah, thanks, Connor. Um, I'm Millie. I've been a longtime Synthetix community member. Um, I've been part of the Synthetix community since probably 2020. Um, I've been i DAO participants going on two years now since uh, uh, I would say early 2021, really early 2021, since about February. So going on two years now, I've been part of the Ambassador Council, um, led uh, essentially a lot of initiatives there, a lot of integrations. Uh, for I saw firsthand um, how much demand there is to build on top of synthetics as an ambassador. Um, I, have, I have a lot of connections to different projects. I'm active D, uh, DeFi delegate in general. Um, I have a lot of... Familiarity with most of the ETH DeFi ecosystem, and I'm somewhat well-versed on uh, other non-EVM DeFi communities as well. Um, I really have my e- ear to the streets or ear to the chain, uh, I should say, uh, when it comes to DeFi. I basically follow all the latest updates, everything that's happening um, in real time, uh, pretty much full time. which you'd call full-time DeFi. Um, there's rarely anything that happens that I don't uh, that that uh, goes by me, um, and then. Uh, on the synthetic side, I've you know contributed to a lot of uh, proposals outside of what I've done with ambassadors. I've also um, been I'm pretty well versed. I would say I wouldn't maybe not as well versed as uh, Ethernot um, or Nafif or a Cav, but I'm pretty well versed in uh, synthetics on the contract side. Like what the contracts are aiming to do. Uh, I'm not very technical myself, but I do understand like essentially the o- objectives. I know all the pain points of synthetics um, being having contributed for. Um, over two years now i know like where the bottlenecks are um where the point uh where the pressure points are where the biggest issues that we face are and then some of the more um philosophical issues um that protocols and DeFi protocols in general just face uh, i relate to those really well i understand like um how to solve for them in the long term and so yeah that's basically my uh my the extent of my involvement with synthetics
0: Thank you, Millie Funk,
2: we'll hear from you next.
8: Start, Ethernaught, congrats on the the World Cup win. I'm sure you were were over the moon with that as a native Argentinian. So to introduce myself, um, I've been in crypto, it feels like, forever. Um, I remember reading the Ethereum white paper, not understanding it at all, and then kind of surprising myself by how deep I got into DeFi um in the end really despite all of that my background is in tech um with a finance and economics slant to that and really um my sort of understanding and background with the synthetics protocol comes through uh, where i spend most of my time which is with the keeper protocol and fix forex i started out there as a community member and i'm now a full-time member of the team um, for those of you that don't know what Fixed Forex is, we rely on synthetics for every single one of our liquidity pools. So our fate is entirely intertwined with synthetics. And I think that's quite atypical of partner protocols that work with the synthetics uh, platform and protocol. And I think that um, I could add a really valuable um, perspective to the Spartan Council because of that partnership slant that I bring to things. And I think as we kind of settle off on the journey for V three, that becomes even more critical for what Synthetics is trying to achieve.
0: Thank you, Funk. Welcome, and uh, great to have you here, Cavalier. Your introduction, please. Hey,
9: everyone. I'm Cav. You might rec- uh, recognize me from the weekly Spartan Council sync calls. Um, been a CC at Synthetics for about a year now in product. Been in crypto a couple of years, and before that. Um, started and grown some tech startups. The unique perspective I bring is probably being a product CC at Synthetix, um, helping deliver on what we want to build and what what the community wants us to build and choosing the right people and the resource allocation to get there, or at least influencing that. I think that gives me you know, two interesting conclusions. The first one is that Synthetics is building something pretty revolutionary. And we've been building that for more than a year since even before I joined. A large majority of the horsepower at Synthetix has been going towards things like Perps v2 and the protocol v3, which while it's in the works still hasn't come to fruition yet. And so I'm running this epoch because I think it's important that token holders have the opportunity to vote in someone who's Quite close to the protocol, I think a mix of governance of members who are in the weeds day to day, people like Caleb, um, people like Ethernaut, uh, and potentially myself, is really important to be part of the governance process, as well as people who bring external perspectives. So I think with Synthetics building V3, we're we're going to have as bigger or potentially bigger impact than some of the the triggering. Um, changes that kicked off DeFi uh, a couple of years ago. And I think we need a range of perspectives, including highly aligned and in the trenches, um, people from in the protocol.
0: Thanks, Cav. Uh, Cyber Duck, your introduction, yeah. please.
10: Hi, guys. Uh, Duck here. So I've been part of the Syntagis community for a couple of years now. I think since sub, since the sub one dollar days, which I hope and believe we won't ever revisit again, I'm a former member of the first Spartan Council that has ever that has happened back in the days, and a long term continuous serving member of the Grants Council where built and funded a plenty plenty of great things. I have also contributed to a handful of proposals at Synthetics Quanta Thales, where um where at Tails I'm also currently uh, on the council. My non crypto background is business management. i um, currently running a Web2 dev agency for a decade right now. Uh, lately, I have had a, quite an interest in V3. I've spent a significant amount of time studying the V3 specs, as one of my aspirations has been to develop an alternative staking front end for V3 as part of decentralization, which is currently on hold. Blame it on the bears uh anyway for this purpose i have had an annoying number of questions directed at noah for which i apologize but that has helped me uh, better comprehend some of the nuances of v3 from ux perspective all in all the you know the doors that v3 opens is really exciting and i'm looking forward to that lastly obviously i'm a gen and that's a obvious trade here and i have a dog that occasionally barks on these calls so i apologize for that turning the floor over to someone else
0: Thank you, Duck. Uh, great to have you here. Uh, moving on to, I think we heard from everybody. Moving on to question two. Question two is going to be open to the group and is kind of just an open reflection on contentious decisions made this past Epic. Uh, so, first, would you support switching off Pith oracles if Chainlink released a suitable fast oracle? And second, do you think SNX monetary policy decisions were overly restrictive? Just a reminder, all questions in this panel were submitted by community members. Uh, the floor is open for discussion.
1: I think if um, if oracles were superseded in quality by Chainlink and therefore only represented an increased risk surface, it would make sense, objectively, to turn them off. Though I think they can provide two different services uh, concurrently, so I don't anticipate it being from a risk perspective, kind of self-evident necessity to do so.
2: Yeah, I think if it ain't
10: broke, don't fix it. Nonetheless, depending on whether those Chainlink oracles provide a significant improvement uh, in terms of latency or reliability, reliability, it might be worth considering, you know, making that switch assuming the benefits outweigh the status quo of the Pete oracles and the added cost of making that change. And I also think that, alternatively, for the purpose of redundancy and risk management, it might also be viable to consider having, a, having another oracle as a fallback.
8: To a certain extent, I'd agree with that, right? But it kind of comes from a little bit of a different perspective from my end. And I think it's where I'd kind of highlight is that I think we all know that Chainlink has been subsidising oracles for DeFi for the last three years. Stands to reason, at some point that's going to come to an end, and the cost is kind of kind of hit all of us in the space. And so it would only be wise to start to co- cultivate alternatives and kind of look at it through that lens. But obviously, all the quality stuff holds true and agree completely with that.
1: There's also an argument for maintaining a cosy relationship with Chainlink. I'm just kind of to- applying an alternative perspective to what you've just said but uh maintaining a cozier relationship for when they do turn on the costs or turn up the costs is an arguable point of view
7: i think what i would say is that i think you know for the most part we've uh, Chainlink has proven to be very reliable over the years and obviously they have like a really uh solid seat on the throne i would say in the oracle game Um, I think it's good to have some competition and an industry, every industry needs competition. Otherwise, you know, the the monopoly can get ahead of itself. So I think, you know, the the fact that we switched to Pith oracles for the time being was probably for practicality reasons, but I would be very much in support of like moving back to Chainlink or at least uh, transitioning back to Chainlink uh, once their new solution goes live. Uh, I say it's because, you know, on the the technical level, there are some limitations with Pith oracles. Um, They have their own chain. And people could observe that sort of chain, the pith chain and uh, front run or um, some price feeds on ETH, uh, or sorry, on Optimism Mainnet. So there are some areas where you would probably want um, an Oracle that has uh, just a better track record of dealing with that kind of stuff. And then on the other side of things, there's like a cozy, cozy relationship between, you know, Pith and CERN entities within the space, uh, as you know, as well as like CERN, um, their main market is mainly Solana right now solana is very centralized um they also have a very cozy relationship with jump that i think is uh like you know probably not wise to depend on too much so i think there's a lot of nuances to it uh, when you get into it i would be very happy to switch back to Chainlink when uh once their um product goes live i also understand that we've you know worked closely with them throughout the years um and especially recently um in development of this product so i would definitely want to see that come to fruition and i think we should continue pushing the Oracle space forward as we have been for a long time. And so by doing that, we sort of just explored this option with Pith recently. But uh, I would be very open to go back to Chainlink.
5: I don't know if it's actually our responsibility to make the decision. Um, Part of me thinks that we should Frame this from a point of view of having an objective test for safety of oracles. And if we believe that those oracles can meet a certain safety standard, enabling them within synthetics as a infrastructure protocol and letting each individual market operator decide which oracles are the right fit for their product and their risk profile. And we can change the levels of collateral or risk payments or fee payments back to synthetics in order to cover any uh, skewed risk that we might see. But I think if we want to be sort of protocol to protocol infrastructure, we need to move away from cementing decisions at the protocol level and being able to provide uh, well-managed choice across risk.
7: That's a good point. And I think that's one of the benefits of V3, which one, something that we don't really enjoy yet, but uh, that modularity level, modularity will come, what uh, will be enabled by V3. So I'm excited to see that.
9: I think a lot about resilience. And I think that plays out in two ways. I think it's healthy to have competition. And I think it's healthy for the protocol long-term to have multiple choices, especially as we shift towards an ecosystem. That said, we've got an incredible relationship with Chainlink and it extends far before my time. And I hope that continues. But I think retaining choice for the protocol, for partners, um, in the interest of resilience is important. And naturally, would um, the better solutions would would
2: rise to the top.
5: Uh, Connor, I, I realized that none of us answered your second question. Uh, so maybe I'll pivot it back uh, to the restrictive policy for us. Um, I think one of the challenges in this question is that we as individuals operating within a protocol and using it can feel that these were uh, restrictive monetary policies and we're in a climate right now where uh, everything's a restrictive monetary policy and we're, we're acutely aware of those challenges um, but i'm not sure that we can make the judgment of these things being overly restrictive in the sense that the protocol still stands right we're we're weeks away from v3 and i think maintaining the safety that synthetics has a multi-year long track record on is absolutely paramount at this point we know our liquidity is going to drop it's dried up across the ecosystem we're transitioning we're not having as many rewards or promotions pushed into the ecosystem we're going to be lower liquidity until v3 safety becomes paramount because if we had uh, a sell-off here or a luna-like fiasco uh, that's it v3 is toast no one's coming back to give it a try so do i think they were uh, you know overly conservative fiscal policy decisions that were made uh, this cycle? Absolutely. I think they were overly restrictive, uh, not for the goals that we're hoping to achieve, and they won't move forward to V3 in the same way. So I think they were conservative, but essential for what we want to achieve.
10: Yeah, I think I'll add to that. Uh, I'm in agreement, yeah. I mean, monetary policy was definitely restrictive. You could justify it from the risk assessment we've made, uh, though, you know, when I look look back at it, some of those, you know, C-ratio increases forced plenty of stakers that were managing their debt correctly to, you know, to burn their debt for the sake of increasing the average protocol C-ratios uh, because, you know, some other people, other players in, in the protocol were not, you know, behaving correctly as they should. And this undoubtedly did restrict the liquidity of SUSD and added extra friction for traders to onboard onto Quenta and so on and so on. So yes, we were already restrictive. Maybe we could have played it better.
7: So I just have a question back at you, Connor. Um, by restrictive monetary policy, are, are you referring sh- to like the collateral ratios and those kind of decisions of like SNX uh, staking? Or are you, do you refer to like the incentives? Because in the monetary policy for SNX wasn't at all restrictive, right? The monetary policy for 2022 was very inflationary. Um, it was very like. Uh, I, like I wouldn't say the monetary policy was restrictive, but I would say like the parameterization was somewhat restrictive. But I would remind people that um it wasn't so restrictive in comparison to like historical uh, collateral ratios, right? Um, and when I first joined Synthetics community in 2020, it was the, the collateral ratio for staking SNX was 750%. And I think it just came down at that time from 800. Um, so you you could only mint one seventh of your collateral value in terms of um susd right and uh at one point it was even higher than that so like i just think you know it, it's not really restrictive in terms of historical wise it's actually in line with like uh how the protocol pro- progressed its sophistication the resiliency i mean you know i would argue that it wasn't very restrictive I and mean, then from a monetary pro- policy perspective it definitely wasn't restrictive it was definitely like you know very high inflationary environment. Uh, Very accommodative to bring uh, on new stakers. Whether it had the uh, impact that it was supposed to or not, that's a separate topic. But I would say, you know, monetary policy was definitely not restrictive for this uh, period.
1: I mean, one of the the decisions that kind of prompted a lot of the later contention when C ratios were risen um, were around a choice to lower the C ratio in light of a SIP that uh, was going to result in liquidation. So in that way. We were relatively flexible the council that voted in the lowering of 400 to 300 in the c ratio in order to cater for that acquired debt from liquidations so i see where it is coming from and saying we weren't actually as restricted as might appear from the contention that has followed
7: if i could just add one other thing there i think you know it's. I also very much relate with people that feel like there is, like, really harsh penalties for, um, you know, liquidations and sort of some of the recent steps taken to mitigate risks around liquidations and cascades. I think, you know, for the most part, you need to have followed the protocol long enough to understand where, like, these issues come from. Like, the idea of how the protocol was designed two, three years ago is, like, night and day different than um, basically what we have today, right? Like, at the time, the, there wasn't as much like there wasn't as much activity, you know, using since as there are now at the time uh, when a lot of these decisions were made, um, you know, the, the there wasn't a whole lot of lingering escrow rewards. Right. Escrow. And when it was at its highest peak of inflation was like in 2018, 2019, um, it ended up having like a ton of like SNX locked away without a real means by which to liquidate it. And so like now we're dealing with a lot of these mistakes of the past. And like we basically have to make decisions to account for these without letting them become um, like existential to the pro- to the protocol. And I feel like you know it's I, I get people's like you know frustrations with you know SNX being collateral and it being restrictive and the liquidation balance being really high, but really we're just dealing with mistakes of the past, right? If SNX becoming like primary collateral, um having all these escrow inflation, all of this sort of you know put a big um put a lot of pressure on the protocol in the long term. And I feel like, you know, we're kind of paying for the price of it now. And I sort of, you know, I, I do relate, I understand the people that kind of bought into that idea. And you know, they're kind of paying for it now. I, I relate to that. But you know, they we need to understand that those were mistakes made before. And we need to work to rectify those for V3. And also like Adam said earlier, make sure that um it doesn't bring on risk at the at the current time.
0: Thank you, Billy. Anyone have anything else to add before we move on to the next question?
8: Yeah, I'll just uh, throw in one bit, right, which is as a kind of outsider looking in at the protocol for a long time, the way you guys manage risk in general, I think, is to be applauded Um, and to kind of dovetail on a couple of the other comments. I think as a use case of a protocol changes, you have to look at monetary policy holistically, and I think we can all agree there's a bunch of opportunity to do that as we go into V3
2: anyway.
4: And just one like very general point. Um, if there's a, an option to move away from Pith into Chainlink, I would say that that should be the default, and Pith should be kind of more of a backup, just based on. Yeah, I mean, some of the points made about you know, there obviously it's it's extremely close to Jump. It's it's kind of built out of Jump, and um, I've worked with a lot of Solana teams that have had some issues with it before. It's kind of um, more of a super happy to be using it sometimes it's obviously had issues they had the infamous cropped mean issue where they uh, they gave some crazy prices the early things didn't even realize that they should you know uh be using medians instead of means on um how they actually supply price so i would say that chain link should
2: be the the default if it's possible
0: All right. Thank you, everybody. Moving on to the next question. Question three will be for individual response. What do you want to see achieved by the council in the short to medium term? And where do you see the synthetics protocol fitting into the DeFi space going forward? Cav, we'll hear from you first on this one.
9: Sure. I think the biggest shift is obviously moving from V2 to V3. That is going to take multiple months to wind down the V2 system and transition in a safe and sustainable way. That's the first thing. The second thing is shifting from an, a, a rigid, what was originally a product offering fully through to an ecosystem offering, and that is attracting both stakers on the one side and protocols to build on synthetics on the other side. The third one really important is revenue and being sustainable. I think Synthetics had a really important role in kicking off DeFi and some of the mechanisms that we used. And I think we've got an equally important role to shift towards sustainability. And now that we've got multiple functioning products with others coming, I think that's a real prospect for Synthetics to shift the conversation towards revenue and sustainability. So V2 to V3, product to ecosystem and revenue and sustainability.
2: Thanks, Cav. Uh, Jordy, your response to this question, please. Absolutely. So, um,
4: you know, in the few days I've had to kind of start going through a lot of the proposals, I, um, the things that I really like are definitely the, the B2B concepts, the idea, for example, of um, you know letting other people, uh, other calls be able to spin up um, their own markets, their own nerves, that's something that's quite different uh, indeed than, than just trying to do it yourself. I think when it comes to oracles and oracle based exit and things like that, um, I understand the downside quite well, and actually one of the upsides that i've I've been saying is that it does allow this kind of mechanic where uh, you can you know fork infinite ones of them because you're you're not really like relying on centralized liquidity. You can have the liquidity be somewhere else and just sort of provide it through collateral instead of like needing the full order book to um, you know, create price discovery. And um, if you're going to go down that route, then I think that the synthetic approach of like allowing, you know, multiple communities to be able to find their own users because in that sort of like scenario, what's really important is the users. And it actually brings me a lot of analogy from the poker days where like, you know, like you can break the up break up the value um, funnel into like multiple pieces and the piece of it where you're actually uh, having somebody build a community and find users who actually want to trade or, you know, uh, use the product. You leave that to like somebody else that that becomes like their priority and you just become very good at providing, you know, the the middleware, let's say. Um, So that kind of aligns with a lot of the vision that I have. So looking, looking forward to helping. See that direction continue.
2: Thank you, Jordi. As uh, Cyber Duck, Duck, your response to this question, please. Uh, all right. So it's
10: ultimately the transition to V3 in a smooth ma- in a smooth way, with a primary focus on expanding non SNX collateralized liquidity, and thus. Making sure there's sufficient incentives to both create and LP in the pools and markets in V3. Uh, through, you know, achieving this liquidity growth will improve both the protocol collateralization, and as well as increase the liquidity that's a precursor to the growth of protocol revenues, be it in perps or other markets on V3, or you know, other products built on top of them. Uh, at the same time, I believe we should also signal and lay a clear path, and possibly a modular path, of, of how we're going to increase the value accrual to SNX, outside of it just being a collateral in the legacy market. So I think those are the things that we should tackle in the near term.
2: Thank you, Doc. Funk, your response, please.
8: Yeah, so I think. Um what you're going to hear as a consistent theme is the transition to v free, right? So kind of let's put that to one side because I'm not really adding anything new there. But um, I would say that really, for me, there's kind of two emphases that you can look on in the short to the medium term that really need to be a focus. And one of those is driving value through greater use of atomics and looking at what drives that holistically. So today, when we look at that, you see that sometimes that liquidity is fragmented. You also see that there's not enough of it. And what we're also kind of not really seeing the market react to is that the partners that integrate have a major incentive to make it work on their end. But as they view it today, they're kind of just looking at the synthetics community to provide that liquidity and make it happen. And I think there's an open question that says, do the partners that we're integrating with have enough skin in the game? on their side of the stack to take some responsibility for that. And that could be a major focus of the way that we engage with the partners in the future. So if we message that right, um, then that potential can be unlocked. And then I think the other thing to really focus on is making sure that as multiple types of collateral are accepted that really the incentives are well aligned along that. So really ensure if you're going to add different types of collateral, you have to ask the question, are you going to uh, reduce the amount of SNX that's uh, under demand or under ask to be staked, right? And ideally, you don't want to do that. You want to make sure that you lock up as much as possible because then it has a direct impact on selling pressure of the token. So my idea there would be that you try and utilize LPing as much as possible to drive some of that collateral value and making sure that SNX is part of the stack of that LP pair. And I think if you then kind of look at the rest of the incentives um, that would help drive further value through utilization of value-driving activity from SINCE, then you really need to make sure that um, that is lined up well. Um, So I kind of think you do that in a couple of ways, right? You make sure it works for LPers, you make sure that it works for stakers, and you make sure that it works for the partners. Uh,
0: Final thoughts, Funk?
8: That was it. That was my finish.
0: All right, just in time. Thank you. Danny, your response to this question?
6: Yeah, like everyone said, um, migrating to V3, um, I think with with sufficient incentives for attracting liquidity, um, I think while also solidifying the SNX value prop and and tokenomics, um, I think we also need to focus on deepening SUSD liquidity across DeFi which I think not only improves UX for the existing partners, but also incentivizes additional integrations um, and new protocols to be built using synthetic liquidity as a platform. And I think once, once new protocols are built, it, it would be very, very difficult for them to move away, which I think just solidifies us, solidifies us for, um, for the long term. We also can't be in an environment where the lack of SESD liquidity causes Gauntlet or any other um organization like Comlet to recommend removing it as a collateral type for Ave just as an example. And uh, going forward, yeah, I think synthetics will become the de facto liquidity layer for, for derivatives not only on um, Ethereum but across chain across different chains. Um, there's no doubt that the future is multi-chain. And we should own a, a big portion of the bridge market as well, um, all of which we'll be able to enable using CCIP whenever that comes out. Um, <clears throat> but again, that's only possible with, with extremely deep SUSD liquidity. Um, and I, I think the the tokenomic structure in V3 um, and how we're, we're incentivizing collateral providers to provide, provide their collateral
2: um, will kind of play into that.
0: Thanks, Danny. Millie.
7: Yeah. Um. I, I. guess. Okay. What I would say is, for the most part, I think I really want to see V3 just play out. I want to see it in the, in the like in the wild. I really want to see how this, like, you know, th- this new DeFi primitive functions. Um, i had not like too much of a rush to make uh, rash decisions on how the tokenomics should look, how the protocol governance should be shaped around it. I really just want to see V3 function and operate. And once it does, I'm pretty sure like, you know, synthetics where it's going to be situated in DeFi, I think it's going to be situated in a really good place. And I say this as someone who, you know, working on integrations all the time as an ambassador, I just see the demand for building on top of synthetics and for, you know, censorship resistant uh, debt. And now that debt could be stable coins. It could be, you know, for most protocols, it's just stable coins, but for synthetics, it could be stable coins, it could be some of other kinds. It could be anything, right? And essentially what synthetics is is, generalized leverage and generalized leverage is always in demand. It's never going to be out of demand. Everything in the world runs on leverage, right? Our mortgages run on leverage, everything runs on leverage. And so this demand is just inherent in every market. And so there's very little that we will need to do to spur this demand because it's always going to be there. What we need to do is try and meet it at at all times. And it's difficult to meet it with, you know, restrictive collaterals like synthetics, right, like SNX, we need a, a scalable form of collateral. And we need the protocol to be uh, ticking and humming properly, to you know, and then fits SNX in as you know into that bigger picture. So I'm not in a rush there. I just want to see the protocol operate. And I think you know what where the uh, some, some is going to be situated is going to be in an excellent place. Like there is no other protocol that offers composable on-demand leverage. It just doesn't like, exist, right? Like you know, Gearbox is kind of trying to do this right now, but they're doing essentially they're manipulating spot leverage. They're not creating debt-based ba- debt um, synthetic leverage, which is what we're doing. DYDX is the same thing, only they use an the order book to create the leverage, right? And so you need a counterparty for every a person who wants to take out a leverage position. With synthetics, the counterparty is the LPs. And so, you know, this demand for this kind of leverage is going to be infinite in the space. Like it's never going to run out. Every protocol wants that capital efficiency of synthetic leverage. And the you know the, f- the fact that we're going to be a liquidity layer offering this, It's just going to, you know, we're going to be something like one of the main DeFi pillars, right? Before Syntax was kind of a, SNX was considered like a part of the DeFi 1.0, but in a mean way. Now, like, I think SNX is going to be DeFi as like, you know, a pillar of of the ecosystem where, you know, where Curve is, where uh, Maker is, where Uniswap is.
0: Thank you, Millie. Uh, Adam, your response, please. Yeah, sure. So I I don't actually think it's about the v3 migration,
5: you know, that's happening. We know that we know our priorities there that we have to solve around collateralization. And I I don't think we can just sit back and hope for demand. I think we need to spend our time and focus on a clear basis of understanding what v3 is. And I think at the end of the day, synthetics is this engine for collateralized risk management we're not out here building a blog we're building the wordpress of DeFi, and we need to abstract that complexity down to the lowest common denominator for partners so you should be able to build a virtualized amm or a perps market or an option market as easily as you can install a theme on wordpress or deploy an erc20 because if we power the next generation of DeFi by making it seamless for anyone to build we allow rapid iterations of new deployments and experimentation um, where some of these are going to stick. you know, we, we see it every time when AMMs come out, there's a thousand forks and one or two of them have something novel. We want to capture those novel movements uh, and that means being easy and accessible. So I think if we f- are overly focused on markets uh, that are complex integrations or margin amounts, we're going to lose the momentum that we need. Uh, but by lowering that kind of threshold of what we're building and making it trivial to build out and spin up these uh DeFi templates, essentially, will allow people to rapidly experiment and capture that market and kind of position synthetics as the WordPress of DeFi.
1: Thank you, Adam. Tara, your response? Okay, way in the back. Um, So speaking practically, I think it would be great if in the next epoch uh, the SC can work with the um, core contributors to produce A document that really outlines the migration process to v3 in a holistic sense Um, we have a great deal we have a large number of sips that cover it from a technical perspective but i think a large portion of the community is going to benefit from knowing how we're going to go from v2 the v2 legacy market the native collateral being minted on v3 and then following that how the tokenomics of the snx token are going to be integrated with that v3 system because it's it's coming quickly and um that clarity i think could do a lot to make us more approachable um in the midterm i would very much like to see the die wrapper unwound i think it serves a great purpose in providing us liquidity when we really need it during this first launch of v2 and into the transition into v3 but once we have ETH as a collateral on V3 natively, producing the new version of the SUSD, currently SNX-USD token, um, is serving a purpose. As far as where the place of synthetics lies regarding DeFi more broadly, I think I can only echo the points of everyone who has spoken before me. Um, I hope that we're gonna provide a kind of fundamental Liquidity layer, both on Optimism, Ethereum, and increasingly onto other chains.
2: Thanks, Tara. Ether, not your response, please. Oh, yeah, sorry.
3: Um, so, yeah, like I, I believe that synthetics has been a very successful experiment uh of pulling liquidity and building stuff on top of it but so far what we build on top of it is kind of hard-coded right so the the um, the that and um, the exploration that we do on top of that is extremely limited so b3 i think it's complete innovation because it detaches the pulling of liquidity from what you build on top of it, uh, like like you just said, it's the WordPress defi, and I really see it that way. And I've seen the code. I just recently finished the, my code review, and the amount of innovation in that code is just mind blowing. I think this will really be part of the, the bit of, of the. Lower pull of uh, the entire next iteration of P5. So yeah, for me, it's uh, about shipping this, and it's enough for me. I
0: think. Thank you, Ethernet. A uh, question was asked in the chat, uh, sort of in the middle of your responses, uh, but it's a good one. And since uh, some in the community will only be relying on the recording, I wanted to give everybody a chance to sort of address it. Uh, open for discussion if anybody has anything to add. Some of you already touched on it. Besides ETH, what other collateral would the Spartan Council, or would you as a Spartan Council member, be comfortable with to create pools with?
2: Um, I have an active proposal currently, SIP
1: um, 315, that proposes integrating SNX as a non-minting collateral. That can be applied um, using risk-assessed variables to different pools. Um, I would like to see SNX um, still have that position as a collateral asset in V3, uh, but it's it's still in the process of being worked upon. And I'm I'm very much open to uh, core contributors contributing their thoughts to that practical side. But yeah, currently SNX and, and E for the for the two that I envisage being used in v3 in the next year.
5: I think ETH should make up the vast majority, 70 80% of the collateral. Um, But I think we should have the opportunity to have diverse uh, collateral backing, especially as we allow new markets to emerge. Uh, We want to have people have that optionality for their markets to use different collateral variety. I think the thing we have to be careful of is capping it as a total of the available OI and making sure that those margin factors are realistic. So if we wanna take on some uh, exotic collateral that isn't highly liquid, hey, maybe that does have a 400, 500, 800% margin factor and is capped at 2% of the OI. But I don't think we need to be exclusionary. I think we have to have ETH as the, the bulk of it because that is the The right decision both economically and in line with our values and i think we have to have synthetics as a component of it so that we don't just shoot our own protocol in the foot after all these years um but i don't think we should shut out everything else i just think we have to do it with an abundance of caution
7: i would just say like look at historically what has worked right most protocols, like you see Maker, they onboarded a bunch of different collateral types, and for the most part, they don't get much usage, right? They get some usage. Um, and for Maker, it's a very simple model. All you're doing is minting DAI. You're minting a stable coin that people could use. Um, for synthetics, the fact that the collateral is you know, serving a much more complex purpose to the protocol and to the markets that it's providing liquidity to, I think we have to be a lot more strict on what we add. And I don't see anything that's worked. There's only two types of collaterals that have scaled on ETH ever, historically. ETH itself and wrap Bitcoin, yeah, to some degree, but the main other one is USDC, right? It's all USDC. And in fact, we're piggy banking off USDC right now with the DAI wrapper. So, like, it, it, there is no multiple types, like, diverse rainbow that, you know, picture out there. It's not like that. There's no, there's no um, solid system that uses multiple collateral types and leans on all of them. Like, it's going to be mainly, no matter what, it's obviously going to be ETH. And then, of course, there's going to be Ah, uh, some demand for like a non-volatile asset that has a lot of liquidity, and oh, what do you know? Uh, USDC uh, fits that picture. Of course, USDC is highly censorable, though, right? So I would say, like, really, it would just be ETH um, is the main thing we focus on. I don't think SNX needs to be a part of that system at all. It doesn't. I, I think we should transition away from it for the most part as much as we can. Um, SNX is going to serve to govern the protocol and to align incentives. And I'll get onto I'll get more to this later on. But just to answer this question, I think SNX is going to fit in. The uh, picture very well without being collateral, and I don't think like there's going to be tons of demand for all types of collateral types. With the exception that on the native chains that ETH might be deployed on, like right now it's Optimism. If it's deployed on Arbitrum, and Arbitrum has a token as well, I would say like including Optimism and Arbitrum tokens um, for collateral types would make some sense. And again, but the market is not going to price them really high on that list, and it's going to be um, uh, like a, a minor part of it anyway. But I think you know those might be uh, good options. But I don't think uh I don't think at all it, it makes sense to you know to have tons of different collateral types it's just because it hasn't worked historically and it, it won't work here either. It's just easier to like scale just eth and design the protocol to scale with eth like the a net, the basically the SUSD issuer that Ephe's working on you can't do that for every single collateral asset right like you could technically, but it scales mainly for eth so like we want all this for uh we want it essentially use like the most liquid collateral, the one that has proven to work the most historically. And I, I feel like it's pretty clear what that is. And that's ETH, right? So I would say we build around that and we scale around that and we make ETH work as collateral in, in, in the DeFi ecosystem because it hasn't really worked very well as primary collateral um, in other places, right? It's worked well and like back in the system, but then like for peg issues and stuff, like there's always some nuance um, where some part where like, you know, it, it it helps to use some uh, other type of collateral like that is non-volatile, like USDC. So, yeah, I would say like, you know, we can make ETH work and we should try to build a protocol around making ETH like primary collateral.
5: To rebut that a bit, I, I don't think we can, you know, shoehorn ourselves into only things that have worked before. Otherwise, we shouldn't be trying to be, you know, the best in terms of sort of the risk management of the protocol. And I think there's going to be demand for both partners who integrate in their market, wanting their tokens to be a component of their market. And I think in other native chains, we will see demand for things like uh, Matic or BNB, depending on where you're deployed, because they are native and sovereign to those chains. So I, I think we have to be built in a way where we can allow for other tokens to be used as collateral, even if they are a small minority of the open interest or they are isolated to different chains or only used if they want to issue an asset that is different than the SNX USD, which needs to not be named that. Um, But I I, I don't think we can shoehorn ourselves into saying only Ethereum has worked in the past and therefore we should only use Ethereum uh, when we're a novel concept that prides ourselves on our ability to manage collateral risk better than others have. Uh, Prime example being no one has really had a stable coin that has been backed by its own token like SNX has without blowing up. So I, I think we should, have some caution in going down that road just because it hasn't worked previously.
7: Definitely. I said, and if the examples you used were the examples I mentioned as well, right? Like I think, you know, if if we're on Matic, like Matic token would make sense. If we're on BNB, BNB token makes sense. Arbitrum token, like those would make sense. I just don't think it's going to be a situation where we need to worry about all these different types of collaterals just because they don't get traction most places. And, you know, there's no reason why it would gain same traction here that much either. So that's my view. on.
1: It strikes me as odd to the aspirant of synthetics being a fundamental E 5 primitive, whilst not being aspirant towards SNX achieving the liquidity that would ne- enable it to be a collateral um, through the application of strict due
2: diligence. And that's my thought on the matter. All right, great. Anyone have it, anything else to add? Moving on to
0: question four. Question four will be open for the group. Uh, what do you believe are the biggest pain points in the synthetics Protocol that need to be addressed by this council? Again, open for discussion debate.
5: Historical debt in the minds of the broader community, they see synthetics as one thing is a uh, collateral-backed issuance of virtual assets uh, pursuing perps for consumers. And they've seen that kind of play blow up time and time again. I think the largest challenge we face as we move forward is retelling the story of what synthetics is uh, and why it's trustworthy, why it's valuable, and why it should be underpinning um, all of this next generation of DeFi. I, I think we have a... A lot of mindshare out there, but it's not mindshare that we want. And I think reframing that is a an uphill battle. We still face that meme of you know, you know, Synthetics only has 12 users and challenges like that. So in retelling that story and representing what we are, we have to have a very well defined message and positioning within the market. You know, we need to say um, Synthetics isn't just some cobbling together of different asset issuance. You know, we're the WordPress of DeFi, or we are a, a risk engine as a service, or something like that, where we can really begin to tell people the story of what synthetics is today, why it's valuable to them, and where we want to go, so we can reshape that conversation around us in a way that's productive.
8: I think that's a really good point, and I think it dovetails quite nicely with what was said earlier on about telling the story and having a narrative that's easy to digest on what V3 really is for partners. Because right now, if you look at it, it's very technical in nature. It doesn't really translate to ease of understanding. And I think that's a, that is potentially a big banana skin for the transition to V3, because if you get that right early on, you'll get higher adoption. It just kind of follows a logical path.
7: Yeah, I mean, I'll jump in here. I think, you know, the, the main, Problem, the issue that synthetic faces is basically the same thing that every DeFi protocol is facing, um, and actually not just DeFi protocols, Layer Ones too. Uh, it's just a blockchain issue. It comes down to essentially, you know, the the decentralization trilemma, um, where you have, you know, you have three different things you're trying to solve for in, in blockchain: you're trying to solve for decentralization, you're trying to solve for security, and you're trying to solve for scalability. And I think that you know applies as much to Layer Ones as it does to the application layer. Um, like, for example, with Bitcoin, what you know is that um, this, you know, the security of the blockchain is one, like there's rules of a blockchain, like certain things just can't happen. Like you cannot um, move funds unless you have access to private key. These are basic rules of, of, of the Bitcoin blockchain. That's synonymous to like a smart contract in a, on the protocol there um, having its rules. Uh, and then with Bitcoin, you have also um, uh, scalability. And with Bitcoin, it's just about block space, right? It's about um, the demand for block space. Whereas with like application layer something like synthetics, that, that uh scalability is more in the demand for synths and access to protocol leverage or whatever uh, the protocol offers. And then uh, the, f- the last thing is you know, this this other side of it, which is basically maintaining decentralization in the face of all this. And that's where it gets very tricky, right? So like to have a protocol that functions, offers a service, it's also has it's decentralized such that it's resilient, it's censor-resistant, permissionless but then also has the right incentives aligned to keep it humming and running and, and working. Um, it, you know, it, I think it it basically becomes um, like, you know, a, an open problem for every uh, application. And I think for synthetics to solve it, we need, like this goes back to what I said before, we need to see V3 work in in, in the wild. If it works, we need to quickly start build, finding a way to decentralize the protocol such that it'll be resilient. Because if we, like, I, I appreciate what Adam says about, like, you know, making it very accessible to builders right away. Th- that makes sense, right, from a growth perspective. But if you look at, the, like, the base layer, before you, you know, you, know you, you allow all these different protocols to build on it. Well, first of all, we, we, we don't stop them. Like, they can build on it no matter what. But, like, before we make that a real priority, we need to make sure the protocol is decentralized enough and permissionless and sensor resistant enough that it could support all this, all these added layers building, being built on top. And I feel like, you know, for Uniswap, that's very easy, right? They have a very simple set of smart contracts. Um, they're immutable for the most part. And, you know, there's not much that the Gov token does there to, you know, be a part of that. And, and there's not much like question for anyone using it, right? But for a protocol that has to be upgraded, something like a lending protocol, like a compound or like synthetics, you know, it's gonna have, uh, it's a basically a collateral, that uh, back debt uh, protocol, it needs like these knobs and handles to be, you know, governed over time. And it, it requires a right incentive alignment. I feel like Bitcoin, for example, has failed, right? With incentive, alignment. like if block producers aren't incentivized to produce, to create blocks, like miners aren't incentivized and long-term, like if the block rewards drop to like a negligible amount, the, uh, the security is undermined. So like that same uh, idea applies to application layer, the protocol layer, and like, if if the incentives between you know the liquidity providers and SNX token holders and the users are not aligned well, the protocol is just not going to thrive in the long term. So I feel like we really need to figure out how to solve for those problems because it's not easy, right? Everybody, you know, has to. Every protocol is trying to solve for these things in their own in their own right, and it's not going to be easy to solve for them. And I think that should be our focus. And we you know the biggest pain point. And I, you know, realistically. Um, I talk about like SNX as being a governance token, and I feel like it, a governance token is really important because it aligns the incentives between all the users and makes sure that the protocol is still upgradable and it could, you know, uh, change over time if it needs to. So like the the value problem of a, of a gov token is extremely high. It's just that you know other protocols just don't have a big need for governance. For example, like um, Uniswap doesn't have a big need for governance. Uh, Compound has a need for governance, but like it's broken their system, right? And we've had all this time to like observe where some things have worked and where they've failed. And I feel like, you know, we have a huge advantage there to, now that we're designing the protocol governance for V3, to design it in a way that's highly resilient, incentives aligned long-term. And, you know, the token has a purpose in this picture, which it will, 100%. Like, you know, it's very clear to me the token's not a purpose. So I think, you know, and That is like the biggest problem that all protocols face, and I feel like Synthetics is a good tool to solve those problems.
5: I'd I'd love to actually ask Millie a question on this, Millie. If I can, if I can parse what you're saying uh, and and what I've heard you say in the past uh, when you're talking about the the decentralization component, I want to understand what that looks like. And I think in the past you've advocated for more direct governance voting from token holders rather than having. Um, then vote for a council who helps manage those things. And so I wanna understand in a future vision where markets are building out on top of us. Part of what we're selling right now is that offering is the expertise and risk management and collateral factors and things like that for optimal safety. How do we still sell that to partners in a model where it's direct governance holders, uh, direct token holders who are voting on these things when we've seen kind of the challenges in other protocols having direct voting, they mostly don't do direct voting, they farm stuff out to uh, gauntlet to tell them the risk parameters because the crowd, the masses can't develop that expertise very easily,
7: yeah, that's a good question, right? And it basically falls into you know what I was saying. like it's very difficult to hit up strike a balance here. Um, and that's where you know where I think you know our, all of our cumulative brain power could come and work together to solve for it. But I think for the most part, in order, like the, the current Sparring Council, the way it is, it's great, right? But it was always in a transition, like for a transition for the protocol. I don't think like the level of power the Sparring the Council has at the at the moment. is might be a bit too much, right? The Sparring Council could still have a very you know crucial role in how um, V3 operates. But I feel like it should, uh, for the most part... Um, it, it doesn't need as much as it uh, as it has right now. And it's, in fact, it's a kind of an attack vector in the way it is, right? Let's say, like, you know, um, if the Spartan Council was in char- charge of essentially, um, you know, up, full upgrades to the protocol and, like, there was no uh, multi sig or whatever, and it was just the Spark Council's votes upgrading the protocol, you know, a few it's of the Spark not- Councilors getting kidnapped could just stop governance from going forward, right? And that's problematic. Like, and, I'm not, and, and maybe I'm using the wrong term for kidnap, like, what did they get, like? you know detained by law enforcement what if there's like a malicious government attack um by regulators right so like these are the things i think about when you we were trying to build out a protocol and we, we do have
1: an inactivity threshold many so yeah. uh, we would be able to uh, prompt an election to occur if um members of the spartan council were to be
7: Absol- absolutely right we would be able to but like what would happen in the meantime for the protocol like you know, you know what would like who would be able to upgrade it right so i think you know for the most part you definitely want the token, like to be uh, a a huge part of that. And I will get to like in the future about what I think that looks like. And you know, one thing I'll just put out there, like there are governance models out there that do not suffer from uh, voter apathy and their on-chain governance. And V-Curve is one of those examples of like very active governance because there's a huge incentive for people to uh, participate. And then the other thing we could do is also like have epoch-based proposals where... You know, you can't claim like your fees, protocol fees or something or whatever if you haven't voted on that proposal or if the person you delegated to hasn't voted on a proposal. So there's ways to make people, um, you know, overcome voter apathy and make people engage in the protocol. I, without I, giving would, it. I would
1: argue that the economics hasn't had the necessary testing due to the fact that it relies on a four year locking period. So you can't say whether um, apathy has presented itself unless you're kind of measuring it over that time that it inherently is built around that that greater than four-year period.
7: Uh, I I agree. I don't think the four-year period is is great either. But I would say like in the time being right now, they have really high vote participation every single proposal. So like even like the smaller proposals that kind of don't mean much, like simple like parameter changes for a random pool, they get really high voter participation. So like there's a lot of voter participation because of the way incentives are aligned with V-Curve. So, you know, that's just the way I see it.
10: Yeah, I think ultimately I could agree partially with Millie. uh that we probably need less direct uh, SCCP governments, especially around the configurables. Uh, Spartan as as Council is great for like you know protocol level changes, but for the configurables, I think we've been going back and forth around C ratio a bit too much for my taste. Uh, and I think you know a lot of lot, a lot of you know configurables could be turned into gauges uh, in V three in some future model, uh, where you know you could have less you know direct on hands uh, Spartan Council. Uh, governance deciding these configurables. I don't believe that the Spartan Council is always uh, efficiently right. I think the market could probably make a better decision on these, and uh, you know, with the right uh, with the right incentives. Uh, but you know, the Spartan Council could still be in there as a backstop. For, you know, should 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 something you know malicious happen in, <laughs> around gouges or you know, so somebody just you know takes over. Uh, but other than that, uh, you know, what are the pain points that we have? I think, you know, the main point pain points are being handled uh, by V3 and Perps V2. You know, that is uh, lack of SUSD liquidity and then basically a bad product uh, around uh, fees in Perps trading. And that's being handled right now. So I'm excited about that. And maybe another thing that comes to my mind is, uh, so circling back to, uh, you know, this aspect of decentralization. Uh, I think you know we could maybe do better on decentralizing frontends as well. Either having alternative frontends uh, that offer this you know the same UI uh, hosted on different U- URLs, uh, or or you know or or maybe have alternative frontends with you know different features, different functionality built on top of our protocol. So I, I think those are things that we could you know, do better in the future.
3: So I just wanted to say about the pain point of governance uh, that we did uh, pause the the, development of B3GM. But uh, a very nice thing about B3 by itself, without GM, I guess, is that um, anyone can deploy a pool, right? And whoever owns that pool has uh, the ability to configure that pool, and there's a ton of parameters. So, if the sports and Council deploys a pool, uh, they would be able to directly control, control it with a multisig uh, out of the box. Uh, you just have to deploy a, a NYSI safe, and that's it.
6: Something that I'll add just on permissionless pools like that, like I, I think Rari was, was a pretty good example of just allowing the community to do kind of whatever they want within specific bounds, I guess, just allowing them to control any toggle that the protocol enables. Um, and that obviously led to a bunch of different rug pulls, which ultimately fell on the protocol itself, at least from a mindshare perspective. So I think if, w- if we are moving in a direction where we are completely permissionlessly allowing um, any user to create whatever pool that they want, we-, we need
2: to do that within a strict set of bounds. it could
10: be permissionless with a backstop you know so if the spartan council notices something that's uh, that's an attack vector possibly then then it
2: steps in all right any final thoughts before we move on only that i hope i don't get kidnapped All right, moving on, next question.
0: Sorry, what was that? No, it
1: was going to be a sarcastic joke. (laughs) Carry on.
0: Next question, which of the following should be a higher priority for the Spartan Council and why? First, deploying smart contracts that constitute a successful, widely adopted product running efficiently for all participants, or a continued value proposition and profits for SNX stakers? Uh, this question is for individual response. Adam, we'll hear from you first.
5: I mean, only one of those things is directly under the control, really, of Spartan Council, and it's making sure that the governance approves and implements a tokenomics model that is valuable to holders, still has SNX as part of this ecosystem, still gives it fair revenue and not a 5% cut, uh, and, and makes sure that it has value long-term. The deploying of contracts is a CC matter, and we can push them to do so and we can help vote on parameters, but that is not really a Spartan Council thing. So if we say that's our priority for four months, we're not really doing all that much. Um, Second part of it on making sure we have partners who are using it, making sure we have integrations. I do think that's valuable. And that goes back to the kind of WordPress of synthetics model and making sure we have the lowest common denomination, making sure we're partnering with uh, places that do tutorials, places that can do Automatic deployments, uh, places that do code um, review and things like that, to make sure that they're up to date on and providing resources for building on top of Synthetics, and then cycling back to look at things like our documentation and our presentation of uh, V three because you know V three is very technically complex. Uh, it takes a while to wrap your head around what it is and what its purpose is. And even you know, as someone on council going through this, there was multiple times that I, I pinged a FIF or Noah to go, well, what the hell do we mean here? Right? So we need to make this language accessible, and I think that's really where a council should be digging in. Um, but we cannot do that if we make synthetics token valueless for the risk that people are taking on in this management. And so I think really drill down on your question. that is the priority is making sure we have a stable model to reward and, and fuel this ecosystem moving forward. We shouldn't rug the holders who have been committed to building that for years.
0: Great point. Thank you, Adam. Uh, Jordi, your response, please.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think on the sustainability of the tokenomics, um, that's something that I have a lot of thoughts on in general. Um, I would probably lean towards the other side in terms of um, you know, not needing necessarily to focus on, I don't know, kind of like the immediate accrual or number go up and more try to gain good share in terms of like relevance, in terms of mind share, in terms of like integrations and partnerships. And a lot of the like number go up comes from that. If people really think that there's you know something interesting happening, like you know, firms like mine can just buy like multiple percents of it and that will kind of like um you know do well for everybody in the community while like trying to focus on you know how do we extract um you know, value right now for the token and, and how do we immediately just avoid any price drop. I think it's the wrong way to go. Uh, I'm generally in favor of like not being so scared of the shadow um and, and trying to like avoid like any moment in time where there there's possibly like not a an immediate use case. And there were some points earlier on about you know locking up the token so that nobody sells it. Uh, and I think that's that's probably the wrong thing to focus on um you know locking up tokens is not really a a positive way to um have a good price impact i think it's it's kind of one of the main misunderstandings of um, the crypto space in general so uh, i would say like just focusing on doing a really good job with with the product itself and there's a lot of reasons why investors will will support the price and um you know, we don't have to go like full Facebook, where they just bought what they they bought like nineteen billion dollars worth of WhatsApp without having like a single way to monetize it. Um, maybe that's a bit extreme. You know, it's always good to have some some fear cruel, but just directionally, I would say like that makes uh, more sustainable um,
2: uh, tokenomics, in my opinion. Thank you, Jordy Cav. We'll hear from you next on this one.
9: Thanks. Um, I think the question is a little bit of a trap, but I appreciate the uh, you know prompting some controversial opinion. Um, I agree with Jordy that we got to do the first one to kind of get the second one. Sorry if there's honking in the background. Um, we need to build this this platform, um, and I'll up um, I'll up Adam's analogy from WordPress to DeFi to Shopify DeFi, just because it's it's rhymes and it's a bit more modern. Um, in order to do that, we need to build a platform that protocols want to build on and is stable, has the right kind of kinds of collateral and the right kind of governance. And if we do that, um, we'll get usage, we'll get usage that people are willing to pay for. and then we can naturally accrue um, you know revenue to the sNX token, which I think should retain its um, its value in that way. You know whether it backs as much collateral is is probably the how much collateral it backs, if it, if it backs much, is, is probably the, the question for the future council to decide on. But I think we have to do the first in order to get
2: the second. Thank you, Kev. Ether not?
3: Yeah, I also think it's kind of a, a, a tricky question. Um, but in the end, I, I always think we, we need to protect the, the status. Uh, they, they, they're, they're the base of the protocol, they support the protocol. But I don't think it's about uh, maximizing profit for them. Uh, I think, um, at least the, the way I see it, it's about generating value uh, in general, not
2: only for the stakers. Thank you, Ethan. Danny?
6: Yeah, no, I completely agree that kind of with A comes B. Um, I think it's, we can incentivize liquidity to come and by doing that 10 to 100x the amount of fees that are that are generated by having such deep liquidity, um, the percentage of fees that I guess are directed to, to SNX next stakers can kind of go down in kind as a result and it's a win-win for everyone. Um, where I think this question came from is what I think is based on some of the tokenomics proposals um, around what percentage of fees should go towards LPs versus the percentage of fees that will go towards a value accrual mechanism for SNX itself. Um, And this is part of the discussion that has happened over the last probably month or so, but um, a point that Adam had made a while ago is, is, is if we are giving too many fees initially to LPs and then decreasing it over time to give a higher percentage to next takers. We kind of run the risk of LPs removing their collateral because the rewards have been reduced. Um, and so I think it, it's important to to kind of start on the smaller end, um, see what kind of fees we, what, what kind of, what, how much collateral we can um, we can kind of incentivize to come and then over time increase the reward if we're not getting the amount of collateral deposited as, as we want to have as deep liquidity as we need. Um, and, and so I think we, that's the toggle that, that we'll want to play with. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where I think the, the motivation for that question came from.
2: Thank you, Danny. Uh, Funk
0: will hear from you next.
8: Yeah, I'm going to kind of echo some of what's been said, right, because really what you want is both, and uh, it seems a bit kind of silly to prioritise one over the other. Um, and I think really, like, kind of when you think about it, that's sort of really the relationship between the core team and, and the Spartan Council it has a division of responsibilities, right? So the only time you wouldn't be able to have it is if they're not working well together. Um And I think really, you know, the final thing to kind of really say to drive that home is if you don't get both right, the protocol overall is not going to be successful. So the priority clearly has to be on doing both.
0: Thank you, Tara. Your response, please.
1: Yes, um, I think the ideal would be the production of a protocol that is able to draw huge number of users um, and users of significant volume so that we're generating profits for stakers that would make anyone with the the technical ability to do so jump at the chance of themselves becoming an SNX staker. Uh, I think that's perfectly reasonable to be aspiring to. And and an important role of the SC in the next few months is going to be really Designing the means by which that's going to occur.
2: Thank you, Tara. Cyber Duck,
0: your response, please.
10: I'll just add to the echo chamber here. So, A or B, it's definitely both. So, you can't have a continued value proposition and profits without a successful product. So, it, it is also a chicken egg problem. Where it's clear that a great product is the precursor to profits so i believe we should not be short-sighted when you know we're when we're setting the incentives to lps um i think that's a follow-up for the next question
0: all right thank you duck and Millie. your response please
7: yeah definitely i think you know the question itself is a bit of a trick question but it's you know it ties back into what i just said on the to uh, the last question like basically it's the dilemma of every blockchain is to balance these things and like these are blockchain systems they're part they're two sides of the same coin like there is no protocol and token separate they're one in the same and like they function together uh one serves as like the base layer the other serves as the incentive for that base layer and so like if you look at bitcoin for example i love using that example because the token does nothing it's useless and it uh, undermines like Bitcoin's longevity, right? And it's the same thing to be to be said basically for Uniswap. Yeah, the smart contracts work essentially, right? But the token does nothing for the protocol. And even though it could be a good incentive mechanism to make sure the protocol runs properly forever, it, it isn't being used. And Uniswap LPs, like I've done a, uh, like a lot of research on this. They're not 100% proven to be um, profitable. So like it could be like they're burning money like LPs and not getting anything and just getting the fees from the AMM. Right. But that's not going to last forever. And eventually people are going to realize they're going to basically realize that. And so like, it's the same thing with synthetic protocol, like the protocol, the smart contracts being deployed. Like I want to see them work in, in, uh, in real time. Yes. But like, let's say they are successful and they work perfectly well. There still needs to be a proper incentive structure for this protocol to upgrade. Right. Like, because Uniswap like Bitcoin does not upgrade, doesn't do anything. Right. The protocol just stays. It just is with ETH and with like other, like, more uh, dynamic protocols like synthetics, you basically have um, a, a situation where the protocol has to upgrade over time. And so if the incentives aren't properly aligned with the upgrade ability of the protocol and like the base of it, it just, the system won't work. That's how, that's the problem with blockchain systems, right? They need to be a proper incentive. If ETH validators are not incentivized to validate blocks, the you know, the chain will halt. Like it's just the, the way, you know, blockchains work. And with Bitcoin, the problem is that eventually, these uh, miners will not have the right incentives to, um, to, to mining, right? So, like, this is where it ties in. Like, the Bitcoin, to- the coin itself is not properly intertwined with the protocol. And that's where incentives are broken. And that's why it's two sides of the same coin. SNX token and the protocol are one and the same. The incentives are to- need to work together to make sure that, like, the protocol thrives for a long time. That's the point of blockchain systems. That's why we're not a business and we're a blockchain product.
0: Thank you, Millie. Uh Moving on to the next question.
5: Actually, Connor, can I just one quick clarifier that I think is important for the community to know. When we talk about oh. the incentives to SNX stakers, the Treasury Council is the largest SNX staker. And that's where we provide a lot of the revenue that compensates uh, all the initiatives we do from grants to the actual building of the protocol. Uh, We're not a VC-funded protocol. We don't have an infinite cash runway to burn. It is very important that SNX stakers receive a fair and adequate cut of protocol for us to continue to exist long term and have that financial stability. We're in a good place right now. We can't rug that runway, right? We have to make sure that we have financial stability to continue long into
2: the future.
0: Thank you, Adam, for that clarification. Moving on to the next question. This next question will also be for individual response. What are your thoughts for SNX tokenomics going forward with v3? How should SNX play a role? If proposing a change to current tokenomics, what would the transition process look like? Tara Bellis, we'll hear from you first on this one. Okay. Um, well, this
1: one's. easy slash difficult one for me because i have a 2500 word proposal that elaborates on this exact question so if anyone um, would like to look into that i encourage them to look at sip 315. Um, essentially i'm advocating for the retention of snx as a collateral but with controls on it that prevent um debt being minted against it rather it responds to credit and debit that is accrued on the market to which it is assigned, delegated itself. Um, And also the requirement that a synthetics pool is combined with an F pool in such a way that people who are staking ETH are required to also stake a proportion of SMX in order to receive rewards, uh, sorry, fees that are generated on the pools in which they're in. Um, So, it's a tokenomics program that is heavily um, utilizing SNX um, going forward and, and on a continuing basis in the V3. It also elaborates on the proposed transition from V2, V1 to the V2 legacy market that will be generated when V3 first launches, and then onwards to the V3 native market that will um, enable the collateralization of ETH and if the tokenomics that I'm proposing, go ahead, SNX as well. So yeah, again, I encourage people to look at the, the SIP for probably a, a clearer or um,
2: detailed collaboration on where my position is.
0: Thank you, Terry. Did you mention the SIP number? Uh, yes, yeah, SIP 315. 315. Thank you, Tara. Adam, we'll hear from you next on this question.
5: All right. Uh, Just like Tara, I have a a long written version uh, that's in a draft, so I will link that in the governance chat uh, and kind of give you the high-level breakdown of it. Um, Basically, overall concept is that We need to make sure that Synthetics token is still used in multiple ways here and that there is value accrual. Uh, Part of that is making sure that there are minimum fee tiers for any permissioned market that wants to mint SNXUSD rather than their own uh, synthetic asset uh, and raising that to a higher minimum tier if they want to get any inflationary rewards. Um, Moving preferential rewards so that most of the rewards that are coming from inflation as well as fee capture are coming to pools that are owned by the spartan council and the SNX community that we know are the most stable um, and then using a certain split for purchasing voting power over time in other protocols uh, whether that's curve convex things like that i put a proposal there initially of what those should be but i, I think in a rewrite of this would move it towards um, that being the decision for treasury council to do or perhaps even voters directly um, and then We can use that as we gain uh, rewards in other protocols to minimize and eventually turn off inflation uh, rewards in SNX so that there is no more SNX because the rewards are coming from external. And we can use a VE locking model to decide where various pools fees are going for the two thirds that aren't coming into uh, Spartan Council managed pools um, and allow people to take out a base collateral against that E-locking. And so over time, this should allow us to um, set a inflation curve that is inversely proportional to the amount of SNX that is locked. So if you want to turn off inflation, you lock your SNX into vote locking. You can still use it as collateral. We use revenues to buy the voting tokens and other protocols that you vote on. And for everybody who is locking, the amount of inflation goes down until we hit a zero point. Because we've reached an equilibrium of locked assets growing rewards being paid from other protocols and fees coming in and we no longer need to have this continual endless inflation that dilutes uh, token holders
2: thank you adam ethernot uh your response please v3 tokenomics
3: well uh this pause for my area of specialty but if i had something to say about it is that i think um inflation was uh essential to bootstrap the protocol but now we're we we do not rely on it so much and we should encourage and look uh, for other ways to to incentivize staking uh that's by increasing um actual fees and profit, Um, we could also use um, tokens being created in in new blockchains and use the the feature that B3 has, which is you can distribute any token for rewards. It doesn't have to be SNX. So, So yeah, just for the people that understand finance better, just I would say use uh, all the new tools that you are
2: going to have available. Thank you. If they're not, uh, Funk, your response, please.
8: Hey, so um, yeah, I I kind of like a little bit of both the proposals that Adam and Tara were talking about before. And I think there's probably a pathway to to join that up a little bit. So it's a consolidated approach. My one big watch out that comes across um, ramping down SNX staking is that you need to do that gradually, really, if you don't want to see a massive uh, downward pressure on the price. And so uh, it seems like it's quite a um, good way to do that by ramping down via LP. And I think that will have some um, additional benefits with LP as a kind of driver of collateral. I also really, really like the idea that uh, synthetics will start to um, grab some gauge directing assets, so that they can move towards a different form of incentivization for liquidity. And I think that's very, very essential for the future, particularly for things like atomics. Um, and I, I, you know, to echo something that I said earlier on, I really think that's not just a sole responsibility of synthetics. I think that's directly a shared responsibility with partners that synthetics needs to work with. And so probably you'll find a lot of mutual benefit as you set off down a path like that, that can be kind of exploited really, right? Um, And that seems like that would be a really, really good way to figure out how to ease off some of the emissions that we have been reliant on in the past. I think we can do that and we make sure that those incentives are kind of aligned across the three areas that I talked about earlier on then it will work well. That's the guarantee, really, that kind of comes with that. Um, But that's it. That's my two cents (laughs) on that.
2: Great. Thank you, Funk. Uh, Jordi, your thoughts?
4: Yeah. um, I hadn't seen Adam's proposal before. I've just been going through it now. Uh, It seems very well thought out. Got haven't to the end just uh, in terms of how it's laying out the, the different considerations in terms of, um, you know, the one side, like controlling inflation in a reasonable way while allowing incentives to uh, get aligned between all the participants. Um, looking forward to digging in and reading the rest. I, I had read uh, 315. Um thought there were some good points there as well. So I guess it's kind of bringing bringing together all the ideas and, and discussing them. So no immediate preference, uh,
2: but seem to be some good directions here. Thank you, Jordi. Duck, uh, your response,
10: please. All right, so I'm kind of open-minded to the nature and design of Value Accrual to SNX. Uh, but to name a few options that are on the table, rent-free rewards from all pools and markets, LP withdrawal fees, so those could possibly be set by the pool creators themselves. Or adding more game theory to SNX itself through the introduction of gauge voting, whereby the gauges would direct the capped capped emissions towards pools and markets, which could be a great tool for bootstrapping liquidity in new pools. Basically an incentive that would both attract people to create markets and to buy SNX to direct those emissions towards them. And as for the process, I definitely go about doing it modularly. Uh, we don't really have to decide all of it right away up front. Uh, obviously, SNX's collateral is not going away overnight. We'll have that as a legacy pool at minimum, and that's fine. Uh, maybe more if we decide. In addition to that, we need to focus on growing the non-SNX-based collaterals and pools. So signaling to the LPs that sharing their profits with SNX token holders is something that is happening is given but that we are you know willing to find the right balance of how much down the road as a protocol liquidity uh, how much down the road is is needed and ultimately uh you know growing the protocol liquidity uh will lead to growing revenues that can be accrued back to the SNX token holders i would be probably against charging uh, too far, too high of a fee share on the lps early on where we're now existing in isolation in defi LPs have other opportunities, and early on, we need to basically offer the carrot. We need to convince them that you know the revenues will scale, it's going to be a good product, and you know on top of their markets, uh, uh, you know volumes will be happening. And as they do, they will you know be tolerant for us taking a cut from them if we deem worthy. And whether we start at five percent or thirty percent or forty percent, I think that's that's up to this discussion. But I would you know advise against starting too high uh and maybe a thought experiments you know um, if snx captures some fees from all the pools and markets whereas ETH as collateral captures profits only from pools where that lp is staked or and deposited as collateral you don't really have a linear sensitivity relationship between the the fee share meaning in the example where snx captures 30 percent of fees from pools A, B, C, and D. Those 30% may be ultimately more in absolute terms than the 70% the LP captures in a single pool. So my you know closing thoughts on this is uh, we can approach this modularly in many ways. But I like to emphasize to all the token holders that worrying about SNX value equal is absolutely unwarranted. It's going to happen.
2: Thank you, Duck. Uh, Danny, your response, please.
6: Yeah, so <clears throat> I don't personally believe that, that SNX must be used as collateral in the system long-term in order to maintain its value proposition, um, but it obviously still should earn fee rewards and, and inflation um, inflation at least short-term while fees are still ramping up. Um, I would like to see us move towards zero inflation long-term once we're able to support, support that in the system. Um, I think long-term I, I would be... In favor of supporting SNX as collateral at a at a very high C ratio. Um, seen some really interesting things um, from a um, from a fee capture or, or value accrual mechanism as well for for SNX. At least allowing more holders to enter the system. Um, one one in particular I thought was really interesting, like uh, similar to what Lyra has with regards to locking up the token to achieve a maximum reward. So I think having a rewards boost for SNX being staked even for each collateral providers could be interesting. Um, I'd also be in favor of uh, the vote locking mechanism that Adam was mentioning earlier. Um, I think from a, from a transition perspective, we do need to make sure that v3 is working. So we'll obviously want to be continuously monitoring what the adoption looks like. Um, and we're not going to be changing the tokenomic model of SNX in the v2 system. Um, I do think that we want to start ETH LPs at a lower percentage of rewards and then ramp up um, depending on what the uptake of um, ETH into the system looks like. Um, And we do have to remember that that V2 is not going to go away immediately. It's going to be around for a long time. So um, any changes in V3 is not going to uh, affect really anything with regards to to
2: SNX tokenomics in the short term.
0: Thank you, Danny. Uh, Millie, your response, please.
7: Yeah, I mean, I think for, uh, I agree with uh, Ducky. I think that there is the concern of SNX having uh, utility in V3 is very like unwarranted. There's no need for concern. Like it's gonna have utility in V3. I mean, you know, that is in- inherent. Um, but I, what I would say is that I, I'm not really in a rush to deploy any sort of tokenomics or you know to solidify SNX's position in, the, in V3. Just because i want to see v3 live like it's it's still an audit right now it hasn't been deployed yet like i want to see it live and how it functions and then we can make better decisions then i think for the for the first part SNX will be collateral right in v3 at, at least in the beginning um so that's fine it'll have some utility there and then uh it'll also you know be used for incentives to make sure that the eth markets are bootstrapped to that there's enough uh, lps uh, providing liquidity and then as we get towards the transition where we know that V3 is working fine now, we know like where the, um essentially the limitations are and where it needs a boost. That's when we decide on like the governance aspect. And I think, you know, it comes back to like, what I, the point I've been making like over and over again in, uh, on this call is that, you know, there's this trilemma for blockchains, right? And aligning incentives and making sure like we, you know, optimize for the right uh, parts are, you know, they're critical. And so for like, a, a you know, a protocol like synthetics, the token has to serve a purpose of governance, and governance is really important for synthetics because the parameterization of the protocol relies on this governance. And so we want to put that governance power in the hands of token holders, empower them. And when we do that, at the same time, we need to incentivize them to participate. And how do we incentivize them to participate? Well, you would give them a, a fees from the uh, liquidity pools. The the ratio of how much fees they get versus the LPs that should be decided by governance. And obviously, uh, as next, um, like stakers token holders whatever they if they decide to take too much of that fees then lps will leave right but like the way we could balance it out is by giving snx rewards to those lps in return for these fees so they get the lps get the fees and snx but the snx like vote lockers will get the fees and the reason i think vote locking makes sense is because of okay. governance attacks and because there's um there's like an issue in in and with uh, treasuries and defi is that if someone grabs all the like as many tokens as they can and enough to pass a proposal, they can create a proposal to steal funds from the treasury or like do mini- uh, malicious stuff to the protocol. And you need to prevent that. And the good way to prevent that is through vote locking. So like, I think that's uh, another way we can mitigate, but I'm not in a rush to implement these. I really want to see V3, you know, be out in the live, uh, be out in the open. And, you know, SNX is going to be a part, a collateral in V3 in the beginning anyway. So like, like Ducky said, it's not, it's unwarranted to be too worked up about that right now.
0: All right, thank you Millie moving on to the next question. This one is open for the group Uh, the question is what new products would you like to see built post v3 again open for discussion?
5: Uh, WordPress level uh, abstraction of complexity in deploying templated markets for an amm a perps market an options market etc. A virtualized AMM to compete with Uniswap that settles through SETH back into ETH when you're selling the non-synthetic side of the token through curve pools because Uniswap has just become stagnant and useless and Sushi is constantly managing internal issues and so there's a huge opportunity for anybody who can solve liquidity problems, we should be able to solve that by virtualizing one side of the AMM with synthetics. Uh, and then referral links, because there's a huge opportunity for partners to push that forward, and we need to provide some infrastructure for them to properly do that. Um, everybody who integrates with Synthetics should be able to easily roll out a referral program.
7: Yeah, I'll jump in here. I think uh, something that is very critical that I really want to build on it, and it's part of like you know this um, the roadmap. It's like it's a SIP that's already written is uh, the SUSD issuer you know that's something very novel to the industry and it's something very uh like Synthetics is in a unique position to be able to offer this product of uh, being like a a collateral backed um you know debt pool and then being a purpose having a purpose market in uh, within it it just like it creates this opportunity to have um essentially have issue stable coins against eth longs I uh, sorry against eth shorts and so like it just it, it gives this opportunity that like you know um it, it just, it, there's there hasn't been any way to successfully scale ETH collateral uh, for minting uh, stablecoins. And it hasn't been done successfully by anyone. Maker had got close to it and they essentially, you know, bowed down to USDC and brought on USDC. And now USDC basically backs most of their, uh, most of DAI. So, like, it hasn't been a good way to keep uh, uh, a stablecoin relatively stable. It doesn't have to always be one for one. I don't, like, I think there's a huge misconception among people that they think, like, stablecoins need to trade one to one. Uh, with usd that's not true it doesn't have to it just needs to be like relatively stable and predictable and i think you know the SUSD issuer is a great opportunity to do that so i really want to see that um built next and i really want to i really think that's going to be like uh you know the the game changer right because this is one thing that is just enabled by the architecture of synthetics um and eth only collateral and we'd be like the only product to like protocol to offer something like this so like you know, it'll make, it's just a way to scale SUSD safely. And like, it just like, you know, it's basically something that nobody's been able to achieve so far. So we'd be hitting two uh, birds with one stone. We'd be scaling ETH collateral in a way that nobody has a- been able to. And at the same time, we'll have this decentralized perps exchange that like an on-demand leverage that can be tapped into by users or protocols. So that's what I'm, I'm really excited about.
2: I would like to
1: see, um something akin to what happened in DeFi Summer with Staking Rewards.sol in terms of the ability to create pools through the v3 mechanisms. Uh, Basically a lot of DeFi Summer was was built on the ability to take Staking Rewards.sol and apply it as a liquidity source
2: and uh, so i heard myself there um yeah i'll, I'll conclude there
8: so uh, i'll jump in here uh, one of the things i've been thinking about quite a lot recently is that in the space in general there's a lot of activity a lot of energy and a lot of expense that goes into trying to maintain token pegs and i think that provides kind of like a really unique opportunity to do something through the new functionality that's enabled in v3 by limiting the market to allowing those pegs to be maintained and upkept through like lps being posted to a kind of lending market and then using that lending market to actually issue um, fiat-based synths to uh, increase the liquidity of fiat-based synths and if you do that with stable token pegs there's kind of a bit of a risk-off aspect to it And it also would have the knock-on impact of being a really big enabler to driving additional volume for atomics as those uh, since entered the marketplace outside of the synthetics ecosystem. And I think as a kind of teaser to something that could dovetail quite nicely with other stuff that we've heard, because that would be a major benefit for protocols like Curve, there would probably be a great way that you could stream some of the Curve emissions, the CRV emissions and take those into ownership for synthetics because of that, and then use that to uh, to further juice the synthetics-based pools that would benefit from it.
2: All
0: right, anyone else want to add? Uh,
10: maybe some wishful thinking here. I'd like someone in the future, or someday in the future, to to build a centralized product on V3 liquidity. Basically, kind of like DYDX on our liquidity, where basically we are the CLOB. Where a user basically doesn't have to interact with Metamask Wallet uh, to sign every trade transaction, but just has that centralized exchange UX, but all the liquidity is sourced through our markets. That would be that would be awesome.
7: Don't sleep on the SUSD issuer, guys. The SUSD issuer is gonna change uh, how ETH can scale. Just gotta put that out there one more time. A shout out to Fee for, for brainstorming
2: it. Or designing it. What am I saying brainstorming?
7: It. Designing the damn thing.
2: All right,
0: moving on to the next question. This is the last question before closing statements. Also open for group response. Uh, do you anticipate V3 to be more attractive to build protocols on top of? What are the strategies for partnering with other projects in order to launch V3 and use it as a liquidity base? I'll
8: go first on this one. I think. Um... Yes, it should be in theory. Right. But the key to the success there is making sure that awareness is out there. And I think today that doesn't really exist outside of the synthetics ecosystem. Um, You know, like we probably all know about it on the call because we've all been watching the space. But really, when you look at the broader kind of landscape. Do people know that they can come and build their new protocols of tomorrow on V3 and do they see the potential in it? I think that's a question we've got to ask ourselves. Then we've got to think about the way that um we message that. And then we have to really kind of as we've seen today in some of the discussions, figure out the role that the Spartan Council is going to play in kind of greenlighting new markets or new pools or which ones they want to own directly. It seems like it's not hundred percent clear there. Um And I think really one of the keys that we want is to shift some of the burden that we're seeing today for synthetics to be kind of like the owner of driving or synthetic stakers to be the owners of driving liquidity and kind of look at that being a shared burden. So some of those partners that as they come on board really see that and get it and understand that that creates major opportunities for them and for us.
7: yeah i mean I'll jump in here if it's open uh question i, I basically i think you know from my work as a as ambassador council uh, on the ambassador council, I could tell you that like the demand to build on top of synthetics is a lot like there's a lot of demand at all time like there's so much demand that we cannot meet it all right we we run into like uh bottlenecks like synth liquidity and stuff so i think you know getting v three out there getting the uh s u s d issue out there would allow um you know, protocols to integrate in ways that like they, they couldn't before. And so there'll be all these existing dApps that are going to want to integrate with synths and they're going to want synth liquidity in there within the protocol, because like, let's face it, like there isn't a really good um stablecoin out there. Like there's DAI and then there's USDC, there's USC and then there's DAI, which is wrapped USDC, right? So like there is a huge demand for synthetic assets that are backed by ETH only, like huge demand for that. So that on its own, there's like, you know, there'll be a lot of protocols that want to integrate with that. But built directly on top of synthetics, like I think you know, for the for the most part, we we really want to solidify these um, partnerships that we already have with uh, teams like Lyra Quenta. We want them to like we want them to start to shine after once V three go goes live because it just shows the utility of uh, synthetics V three in general. Once these pro- product uh, protocols can optimize on these smart contracts, so I really want to see like Lyra um, like a continued. A renewed partnership there because they're kind of using um, GMX now on optimi- on Arbitrum. They you know they're showing, they're expressing a lot of um, you know uh, disappointment I would say in, in a sense with synthetics over the years, and it's understandable. You know there's been constraints for the protocol in terms of like fees and spin restrictive for uh, like traders on top of it. So it's I, I can understand where they're coming from, but I think we can renew those partnerships in a good way with V3 and. You know, I, I really just see the demand just going exponential, right? So we just kind of need to, I really like want to see V3 get up, get on the wild, you know, operate. And once, you know, it, it is operating, we could, you know, there's just so many things that can be built on top of synthetics that, um, that that we could eventually integrate with. And on the partnership side, I think the ambassadors are like in well positioned to like, um, you know, to at least get, a, a, you know, uh, make an entry with most uh, protocols. To do some integrations, they have like line of communication with almost every basically DeFi protocol on uh, Optimism and on uh, Ethereum. So like, yeah, I I I think you know we're we're well positioned in that front. Um, and I, a lot of protocols actually try to mimic our governance styles. And we get and I get a lot of questions all the time from different projects trying to um, imitate it, trying to see what works and what doesn't. So like, yeah, I think we're well positioned for these things. When uh, once V three goes live?
1: I think it's also worth noting that one of the important skills that is uh, necessary for a Spartan council as a gestalt is um, how to delegate um, resources where they're going to be most beneficial for the protocol. And this last epoch, one of these, uh, an example of one of these situations was when sitting Spartan council increased the ambassador council in size uh, by. uh, from three to two positions. So in that way, we're already working towards, um, certainly based on Millie's response, who is one of the ambassadors, um, we're working well as a protocol to establish partnerships as we speak.
5: Yeah, I don't feel that we can genuinely say that we're going to go out and onboard partners, because that's not the SC job. And we would be taking credit for the incredible work that Ambassador Council does put forward. I think what we as Spartan Council can do can make, is make sure that we have consistent messaging and people being able to understand and give that and provide that to empower the ambassadors to do what they need to do and make sure that we're spending our time and priorities on having the tooling, the documentation, the ecosystem support, that when these partners are brought in and sold on this idea by the ambassadors, that we can support them, that they understand how to use synthetics that they have, the resources that they need, and that they're not churning out frustrated with the protocol. If we think of this as sort of a user acquisition funnel, uh, the ambassadors are that first touch point. They're bringing them in. They're making that conversion happen. We need to make sure it's easy for them to convert, and then we need to focus on the retention. And that's something that we as SC can make sure that we are having the resources allocated in the right places to have that level of support.
2: Yeah,
10: so in addition to the obvious support Anna mentioned, uh, I think there's a few things we can also do as a Spark Council. Uh, that is to provide a carrot for the integrators, you know, as a protocol we can incentivize. So it, possibly with the introduction of gauges, you know, we could have a safe set low amount of emissions far below the fees accrued to the SNX token that could be used to direct and bootstrap incentives for liquidity, new pools and markets for for those integrators. Maybe you know even have a small part of those emissions set aside to be controlled and managed by uh, the ambassadors, and you know they could direct those at specific pools by governance. It's just brainstorming here, but I mean there are there are definitely ways that we could offer the carrot.
2: All right. If nobody has anything else to
0: add, we can move on to closing statements. Uh, closing statements. Tara, we'll hear from you first. Give us your your pitch.
1: Well, um, I hope the last three months in which I've been a Spartan councillor have demonstrated uh, the dedication that I have to the role. Um, I've been following the project avidly, um, participating in votes and Um, also attempting to educate newcomers to the community wherever possible. And my intention is to continue that and build on the knowledge that I've so far acquired about V3 and uh, the implications of the transition that is upcoming and um, continuing in this role if the SNX holders uh, choose to vote for me. Um, So thank you for the one who put me in this position this epoch and i hope you'll return and and carry me forward into the new year
2: thank you tara Geordie. You. your closing statements please good thing um i mean
4: in general i think if you have eight people on a board it makes sense to have you know the diversity there in terms of what people bring to the table what knowledge base they have. Um, I fully appreciate the people who've been working on on this project for a long time. That they've developed a really good understanding of the uh, the current ideas that are uh, needed to make v 3 a success. I think you know my value proposition is that I would bring a different perspective that's much more broader, understands the broader ecosystem extremely well. Um, you know, it's easy in, in DeFi. I've seen this with many projects that you know you start building these like circular use cases where. Yeah, this makes sense, but only because of this other thing, and then you just kind of start adding, um, you know, this house of cards, and I think it could it could be good um, for a project that is really seeking to build partnerships and um, you know find a place in the ecosystem that involves, um, you know, a lot of other um, broader users and find utility with what it's building. Uh, I think I could I could bring kind of a good level of judgment on on making decisions and evaluating kind of. The, options in that direction. Um, so yeah, hopefully uh, I can I can be useful in that regard. Um, I think some people are pointing out that they feel uncomfortable with um, somebody not owning any SNX and, and being a part of the council, so definitely taking that into consideration. So I've started already uh, accruing kind of like a starter bag, which is going to initially be like um, one bit for protocol, so um, 24000 um, tokens and uh, yeah hopefully
2: that's kind of a sign that I'm serious to want to try to help out Thank you Jordi Funk your closing
0: statements please
8: Yeah hi again um, so I think you know the, the I'll deco a little bit of what Jordi said in that I think having a wide council with a bit of diversity is a net positive for the protocol um, I think really the one that um, I'd emphasize there is we are a partner today of synthetics. Um, We do have a kind of shared interest in the success of synthetics, and that brings a kind of unique view to that, having seen it all from kind of the other side, right, and the struggles that maybe we've sometimes felt in trying to reach the uh, depth of liquidity. and I think, really, the thing to say alongside that is, obviously, there is a a potential that if there was uh, anything going to the Spartan Council that relates to Keeper or Fix 4X, um, I want to make it clear that I would abstain from uh, any of those type of votes
2: or those type of debates. Thank you, Funk. Millie, your closing
0: statements, please.
7: Yeah, I would just say, you know, for those that don't know me already, i like a DeFi maxi, and I have selfish reasons why I want to see synthetics um, achieve success. I want to see a protocol that achieves proper governance, proper sense of alignment uh, amongst token holders and the protocol. I want to see um, ETH back collateral scale in the ecosystem. I like, I shout it from the top, from the mountaintops all the time to, you know, on crypto Twitter about how we basically. You know piggyback off of um off-chain collateral way too much in DeFi, and we incentivize it too much so i really want to see an eth backed pretty much mainly eth back system scale i want to see this base um like synthetics achieve maximal decentralization dis- um, censorship resistance like these are the things i really care about and i think you know the synthetics community always cared about and i think you know we should definitely carry these forward um i, I think you know for the most part like there's nuances, right? Like you can't just go from, it's not just A and B, like it's either decentralized or not, it's either uh, sensor resistant or not. There's nuances to it. And I think um, on the spectrum, we definitely want to be towards the more sensor resistant, more permissionless side. Right. But at the same time, maintain a level of functionality and flexibility and upgradability, because I'm not really a fan of like full non upgradability, like Uniswap V3 is not upgradable. Right. But like it's, it, you know it has limitations on what it does and i think if you want a fully like a very functional very flexible protocol you need to have upgradability and it needs to have governance and to achieve decentralization within governance that's the tricky part right a protocol just code a smart contract will be decentralized like you need to have smart contracts very decentralized very permissionless but because that's because it doesn't have governance once you add governance in to the picture then you realize you know it becomes very difficult to align incentives well and to scale and to achieve decentralization right the blockchain trilemma so i think to me that is like the priority bring um synthetics to a point of sufficient decentralized not sufficient actually i think it's at a, at a kind of a sufficient level of decentralization i want it to get to maximal decentralization and then i also want to see the protocol m- maintain its flexibility in the meantime and be able to adjust the market conditions in the long term so you know that's what you're voting for for me and the other thing you'd be voting for is i'm going to try and my best to keep the SUSD name. Uh, definitely not going to let that, you know, let us let go of that that easily. Uh, SNXUSD is, is is tricky. It doesn't, you know, it's just not that good. Uh, we're, I'm going to definitely try and keep SM, SUSD.
2: All right. Thank you, Millie. Ethernaut. Closing statements, please.
3: Um, so yeah, uh, as a CC, I think the value I have to add right now is to make sure that the new code is secure and easy, as easy to understand as possible uh, for new developers to to build on top of synthetics for auditors to understand and d- detect bugs. And yeah, basically use my my experience in in smart contract security to guarantee that as a CCC, I think. Um, my, my value is to make sure that everyone has what they need to build this thing. Um, so what would be the value I add as, a, as an SC uh, in this regard? I think it, it would be to, to represent, um, to make sure that what the community wants is uh, communicated and understood well by the, the CCs building P3 and at the same time to make sure i am a good liaison in in, in the technical aspect uh from the B, the the cc team to the, the Spartan council itself
5: thank you Thonat uh Adam your closing statements please sure so i was going to use my closing statement to go back over those uh yeah, you know, six P's, the profits, preference, partners, placements in epoch, not epic. Um, but I think I'd rather use that time to focus on one really important conversation we were having that around the fee and value capture in V3. I don't think it's a given. and I don't think we can ignore it or sweep it under the rug and just assume that we're going to capture that value. It's something that needs to be solved for. At the end of the day, what Synthetics is selling is expertise in collateral-based risk management and the debt pool. That management and that exposure is you. You're the debt holder. So here, you are the product. You take the risk, you bring the expertise in who you vote for and what collaterals you vote for, and you have to be properly compensated for that risk. Uh, we shouldn't overly pay mercenary capital who come into LP in different products. We have a valuable product, and you've heard many candidates say that partners overwhelmingly want it, whether they're paid or not. And so partners having a token drives LPs, like Quenta can drive LPs, uh, we give them fees. We don't need to do that at the expense of stakers. Um, so I, I think we really need to focus on building out that value proposition that makes sure that the underlying value and risk that synthetics is selling is properly compensated and we have the runway to move forward. Um, I hope you vote for me. I hope you've enjoyed what I've brought to the council uh, this past quarter, despite some headbutting times that we all had. Um, But if you don't vote for me, I actually want to encourage you to vote for somebody else. So I want you to look at a newcomer and consider voting for Funk. uh, Because I think he has a a really good external view an experience as a partner. Uh, He's a bright engaged person who's less polarizing than me. Uh, And while he isn't known all that well around here, I think he's going to bring incredibly valuable insights that are thoughtful to the space. Uh, And so if you don't send your votes my way, take a moment to at least consider backing someone new and, and look at what he's brought forward, because I think it would be a great choice for you at the end of the day. Very wholesome, Adam.
0: Thank you. Uh, Cyberduck, closing statements, please.
10: All right, guys. As an aspiring council member, my goal is to help make sure V3 is great for everyone with a focus on expanding non-SNX collateral liquidity that fuels the range of products on top of it, while also enabling modular, scalable, sustainable value accrual for SNX token holders. In being a council member, I'll be committed to writing, discussing, and reasoning on proposals that align with these goals and help ensure the success of Synthetix. Over and out.
0: All right, thank you. That concludes our call. Uh, Thank you to everyone for being here and for your insightful comments on all of these questions. For anyone who couldn't make the call, We're going to be uploading the the recording to our podcast so that everyone has a chance to listen listen and make informed voting decisions for the upcoming Epic. Just a reminder, the synthetics Community Governance calls tomorrow at the same time in this channel. Thank you everyone again for being here, and good luck, Spartans. Bye, guys.
3: Thank you very much.
2: Thanks, Connor. Thanks, Thanks, guys. guys.